Before we get into uh, the sermon, just want to share a few things. We had, we went on outreach this past Tuesday, and um, we went to Georgia Square Mall instead of going down to uh, downtown, and it was, it was pretty fun. We got to bless Georgia Square Mall to prosper, <laughs> and um, and then we just walked around asking the Lord for any clues of people we might see, and then uh, using those clues to minister to them. Um, Brittany saw a big yellow sweater or something, and then we, where, were you, where were you, Belk? And you saw a lady with a bright yellow sweater or something. I was just downstairs, and I was like, oh, maybe I heard wrong because no one's wearing yellow. And then I started thinking, I was like, it is December. No one is wearing like going to be wearing bright yellow. And then Lori's like, let's go upstairs. So we go upstairs, and as soon as we get off the escalator, there was a girl working at the counter at Belk with a yellow shirt on. And so we just got to like pray for her and bless her. And so it was really cool. That's awesome. And uh, Greg and I were walking around. We're down there at the um, the shoe department, and there was a young girl who was on lunch break, and we were, I just felt like the Lord said, dearly beloved over her, and that's one of those words, it was like, Lord, you, you tell everybody that, you know, and, but I'm just going to go with it, and, and so we go up there, and I do my little spiel, hey, God tells me good things about people. And I said, I felt like God was saying, dearly, be- dearly beloved over you. And her face lit up, and I said, also, has anyone ever told you that you're God's favorite? And she said, no, nobody's ever told me that. And I said, well, do you know why you're his favorite? She's like, no. And I said, because he did the biggest favor for you in the whole world. He sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. I said, you have to, you know, you have to be favored for that for somebody to do that for you, right? <laughs> and so then I walked her through Jesus at the door, and she was as about as ripe an apple as you can get. And and she was excited, wanted Jesus. She We prayed for a part of Jesus at the door where he said, hey, Jesus is like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can feel it. And so can I pray for you to feel the presence of Jesus right now. She said, yeah. So we prayed for her. I said, what, did you feel anything? She said, yes, I felt tingly all over, you know. And um, I said, well, that's, that's Jesus, you know. And he wants you to know that he's real and he's, he loves you. And I said, do you want to receive him into your life? And she received the Lord right there. And, and so she later tells us, she said, I've been... She said she didn't pray or anything, but she grew up Catholic. And she said, I've been actually just wondering where God was in my life. I've been in a really hard place and just kind of wondering if he loved me. And so and that's the word the Lord gave her was dearly beloved. And at this time, you know, we happen to be walking by this girl and the Lord just kind of gives a slight nudge it wasn't like a big punt in the in the bottom you know it's a it was a nudge like over there and that's that's how he speaks and and so we just 
we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and that was an amazing experience. And then I, I got, I tried to share Jesus at the door with a guy who actually had phone cases. It's like, man, this is a perfect setup. This guy sells phone cases. Look at my phone case. He man, look at this. I go up to him. I said, hey man, have you ever, you ever seen this? He's like, no. And do you pray? And I said, this is your heart. And he's like, why? He said, why are y'all doing this? Why do you come around here and do this? Why are y'all bother people? And I was like, I said, I said, what's your name? And he just like turned his back and didn't say anything. And my point is, you have ripe apples and you got unripe apples. But which, I did nothing to offend this guy. Jesus did everything to offend him. What's, I just said, have you seen this picture? Did I call him names? No. Jesus will be offensive. Because when Jesus, when you, when you, approach somebody with Jesus, what happens is it gets uncomfortable for them, maybe for you too, but it gets uncomfortable. And the reason is, is Jesus is real. Everything must change. That's the truth, right? If Jesus is real, then everything must change. And people, us, we don't really want to do that. But if he is who he says he is, that's why the Pharisees didn't like him. They're like, we've got this sweet system set up. And things are in our favor, like things fall in our favor the way we've got them set up. And so Jesus is going around, and they're like, I mean, everything he's doing kind of looks like the Messiah, but he's messing with our system. And if he is who he says he is, then we've got to bow down to this guy. They don't want to do that. So Jesus, and he said, you know, he is the prince of peace, but he also said this, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. And what he's meaning is, is he's, he draws a very bold line. You're either for him or you're against him. You're either not offended or you are offended. And Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended at me. So Jesus is saying, he's giving us, he's like, listen, you're going to offend people because you say my name. Because you represent me. And it doesn't mean you're not loving. It means you actually are loving. And so we think love is always uh, kindness in the sense of like, I'm, I'm not going to do anything to upset you. You can be kind and actually upset people. I just I upset that guy at the counter with kindness. Hey, man, have you ever seen this picture? What's your name? Get away from me. That's what, I mean, that's, that was his vibe. Elliot had a lot of that Tuesday night. Elliot just had a, I mean, he had guys, he was in a hat store, and what was it, the question you asked the guy that, yeah, he said, I'm out here sharing the gospel with people, and this guy said, you're making me effing uncomfortable. What did Elliot do? He presented Jesus. And Elliot was just a warrior out there getting, touching a lot of unripe apples. <laughs> yeah, he gave him some firm, and Megan too. Yeah, Megan was part of that. But you should, that apple got a little looser on the tree. And so it doesn't, 
when people reject you, it doesn't mean you're doing something, you're not loving them. And um, anyways, <laughs> and then uh, I've got one word. Uh, Jeremy, I had to call you out, man. This is my buddy Jeremy from, from high school. And uh, when did you move to Oconee, man? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we went to high school together, ran around together a little bit, played sports together. Um, and but I, Jeremy, well, I felt like the, I felt like the Lord was had a word for you, man. And I felt like the Lord said, in heaven, we call him Mary Jerry, meaning M E R R Y Jerry. And today's the 15th of December, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15 says, a cheerful heart has a continual feast. And so I think what the Lord wants to do is he wants the joy of the Lord to be your strength. And you were created to be a man full of joy. And it comes through the, through the Lord. And he loves you, Jeremy. Jesus loves you. And he is, he is your strength and he is your joy. And so I want to just extend your hand to Jeremy. We're going to pray for him. Father, we thank you for Jeremy, Lord. We thank you for the way that you love him. You came for him, Father. And Father, I just pray right now that you just baptize him in your love. Baptize him with your joy, Father. Secure him in who you say he is. Lord, you declare over Jeremy that he is your beloved son with whom you are well pleased. That's not anything that he can do. It's because of you, Jesus. It's because of who you are that you love Jeremy. Lord, you're not ashamed of him in any way. You're proud of him. He's your, he's your boy. You're his father. And you love him. So, Lord, I just pray, Father, just touch him right now with your presence and your power. Lord, we thank you for him. Bless him and keep him. Cause the light of your face to shine upon him. Be gracious to him. Lift up your smile over him and give him peace. He and his family, Lord, we bless his family, Lord. We bless his children, his wife. We bless his marriage. Father, let him see your hand in every area of his life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. So, uh, I also wanted to share, I went, me and Josiah and Brian went deer hunting yesterday, and we're trying to get Josiah's first deer. And we went to this uh, plot of land that a friend of my dad's has that's private. He feeds the hound out of these deer. And so there's, there's corn spreaders everywhere and food plots. And it's like, man, this is going to be a, a setup for Josiah to get, to get deer. And um, so we went out yesterday. And me and Josiah were in the hot spot, the hot the hot stand that's where all the deer come through 
and we didn't see anything yesterday. And I was I was praying all week for Josiah to give you know give him a buck or something like that. And so I'm in the stand, and I'm just getting in the in the meantime in the stand. I'm just giving thanks to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I, I know it's, even if we don't shoot anything, I, I said, thank you anyways. I get to be out here with my boy out in the stand. And we're just, I just, I just started looking around towards the end when I kind of got the feeling we might not see anything. I was just like, I started like looking at the sky, the skyline, and, and um, just giving thanks to the Lord. And I felt like in that moment, the Lord said, um, it's not ABC equals XYZ, it's listen to me. Now, if your revelations start rhyming, you know you've hit another level. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing everybody, but so, so what, what he was saying is just because like you're doing all the right things doesn't mean XYZ is going to happen. Like you can't control God that way. That's what the older brother in Luke 15 tried to do, right? Listen, I've been, I work every day, get up at the crack of dawn. I do, he's doing this. I do A, B, C, and you should do X, Y, Z for me. But the Lord, this morning, I said something that could have easily been misinterpreted by one of my daughters. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to apologize. I know I should apologize, but I don't know how to apologize. And the Lord gave me the words to say to just basically, even though it may have been a little minor thing to help restore relationship. And, and that's what the Lord's talking about. It's, it's, it's about he has, the, he has like the way of life. It's not because I can do ABC without him, right? And he is not in for that. He's I didn't come to save you for you to like go me not walk with you. <laughs> I came to for us to be one, to do this together. And so we try to we try to do ABC, whatever that is for you, so we can get XYZ and you just can't control the God of the universe. And so the joy comes in being and walking with the Lord. And being in the tree stand and getting to worship the Lord in a tree stand and knowing that, hey, I, you must have a better day planned <laughs> than this one. And just trusting, it's that, it's that simple, just trusting the Lord with those things. And even, though, you know, I, I told Jessica I got home, I was like, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little just bummed because it's like this, I was getting, you know, this was uh this guy kills like his limit in the first month, you know, he's just got deer everywhere. And so he's got racks on his wall. I mean, it's, it's uh, pretty magnificent, but, and so I'm like, I'm thinking of my mind, guaranteed kill today, but it's, but like I said, in that tree stand, the Lord's saying it's not ABC equals XYZ. It's listen to me. And so, um, I just want us just to listen to the Lord as a as a as a family. And there's things that God has already said that He'll say yes to in the Bible. That's why we read the Bible. We don't if the if the Lord's telling you, "Hey, I want you to spend time with me and not go into work." 
uh, well, you gotta like, I would say go to work. <laughs> okay, because you gotta be true to your word. You gotta be responsible in those things that the Lord's gonna back that up. And then you get home from work and you spend time with them. <laughs> so anyways. So Advent, we've been, this is, uh, last week we'll, I'll be sharing on this, but the word Advent, just to kind of talk about what we've, I've, I've spoken on the past couple of weeks, the word Advent means arrival, and this, we're, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, and Christmas, and I'll repeat this, Christmas is actually the first promise in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve have sinned, they've fallen, they've uh, rejected the Lord's counsel, that God is speaking to the the serpent that deceived Adam and Eve, and he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. You're going to crawl on your belly and eat the dust of the earth, which dust in the Bible oftentimes represents bitterness. And so like when people would die and family and friends would go in the morning it says they would get sackcloth on and throw dust on their heads and then what they're what that represented was just the the bitterness of that of that loss and what did Jesus say to the disciples he said now when somebody when you go into a village and they don't receive you shake the dust off your shoes and go to the next village so dust being bitterness what do you think that means he's like don't be bitter at that person just go to the next village. Like forgive them or whatever you need to do, but don't be bitter. Just go to the next next village. And it's just like the man at that kiosk in the mall. It's just like, hey, shake the, shake the bitterness off. Shake any kind of rejection or defilement that may have come with that and shake the dust off. Just go to the next person. And so the devil eats of bitterness. That's his food. That's what he lives off of, and he wants to trap us in that. John Bevere's got a book called The Bait of Satan. It's called Bitterness, and it's about bitterness and unforgiveness. And so um, the first promise is actually about Christmas, about a son being born. And he, so he says to the serpent, he says, you're going to bite uh, the heel of, of the Son of Man, basically, and he's going to crush your head with his heel. And so Jesus was wounded. He, the devil thought he had won a, a war, the war on the cross when Jesus died. He's like, I've killed the Son of Man. But it says in 1 Corinthians, it says, if the rulers and authorities had understood the mystery of God, they would have never crucified the King of glory. If the devil knew what he was doing when he put Jesus on the cross, and he would have never done that. He's like, he, it's, it's just such a beautiful picture of how the sword of the enemy pierces his own heart. Psalm 37 says that, says that, the enemy raises a sword and he bends a bow to pierce the heart of the, up, the upright, but it says his sword will pierce his own heart. And I always have this picture of like the enemy coming at you with a sword and he does this. And he looks down and he's, he's impaled himself in his own sword. And God always works that way on behalf of you and on behalf of me for those that trust in him. That's what Roman and the, the, the New Testament version of that is Romans 8.28. He works all things for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purchase, his purpose. Now, if you don't love the Lord, 
and something goes wrong and you don't give it to the Lord and you're, you're bitter about it and you're unforgiving about it, it's not going to work for you good. You're just going to stay in that bitterness. You got to give it to the Lord and love the Lord with that thing. You got to give it to him to be able to put the, the, the sword in the enemy's heart. So you can hang on to that or you can give it to the Lord and let him work it for your good. So I want to read um, out of Luke chapter 2. I'll have it up here, but you can turn your Bible if you want to. And this is from the Passion Translation. It says, That night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I've come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You'll recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven. And they all praised God, singing, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. For there is space or excuse me, there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. That's actually, it says find the word. That's what it actually says in the original languages, which is interesting. And so they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was a, the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. So I just want to highlight some things from this story. The first thing I want to highlight is that faithfulness and humility is greater than fame and power. The world really doesn't want you to believe this. Gifts are free, but character is costly. And so God, he gives us all gifts. Like we, none of us were in the spirit realm in the uh, heavenly Walmart asking God, hey, I, didn't, I wasn't there walking with, with the Lord. He's like, yeah, make me 6'1". Give me brown hair, blue eyes, whatever. We, we weren't doing that. God was like, he decided what we're going to look like, all the gifts, all the strengths that we were going to have. And so the thing that we can give to God and that's formed by obedience is character. It says Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. And so character usually is forged in fire. It's usually, I mean, imagine you're shaping something cast in metal, gold, silver. It says in Proverbs, it says, you put the, the silver in the fire and out comes a vessel for the smith. And so the Lord, to be, to be used of the Lord, we have to be willing to stay in, the fire, uh, stay in the fire. And it says that Jesus came to baptize us with fire. 
And the reason he came to baptize us with fire is because when, when hard things and shakings come, that we'll be a people that can stand firm, that we're not shaken by it, not by no matter what's happening in the world, because we have a kingdom that can't be shaken. Must be getting excited and pressing. So God values faithfulness over fame and humility over worldly power. And so on the night of the greatest miracle of all, God chose to reveal at first to shepherds before kings and world leaders. And I was just thinking about, you know, we have, we have actors, politicians, and athletes acting in ways that would get, get ordinary people fired from jobs. <laughs> and it's because the world really values that. They, they value the fame, the influence, the things that um, our society values. You know, they're, they're at the top. But character is developed by what you do in secret when no one is there to pat you on the back. So I feel like the Lord, there's people, I mean, you go over, if you, you just visit another country, um, I'll give you an example. When I was uh, in Mexico, we visited this orphanage that was a really small orphan, orphanage. This was in 2013. And the reason it was a small orphanage is because everybody would get healed or delivered. It was, so they brought, it was an orphanage for mentally ill there's an orphanage for, like, grown people. But most of them were mentally ill. And so in this part of Mexico, the families would just basically kick them out of the house if, because they were too much to deal with. If they were mentally ill or even um, disabled or whatever. And so there was this um, Pastor Benito and his wife Myra. Myra came up to my knee. Benito came up to my shoulder. And they, they look like somebody, nothing stood out to, about them in physical presence. Was. And we're waiting on them at the orphanage to, to visit. And the, Pastor Benito pulls up in his car, and the Lord says, you need to stand. And I, I was like, okay. <laughs> and so he, I stood and it was because the Lord honors this man. And when he came, I could feel the presence of the Lord on this man. I was like, this guy knows the Lord. His wife knows the Lord. They didn't know how, the only, they, they both are only educated up to a third grade level. They barely knew how to read, but they, but they said that the, the way they learned to read, it was like a supernatural gift. They, they, they're like, Lord, we don't know how to read but we want to read your word. And the Lord supernaturally enables them to read. Now, they, they say they have trouble reading other books, but they can read the Bible perfectly fine. And so they, their orphanage was half empty, and we're asking them, What's, so what happens? Like when somebody comes, they say, well, we just we pray, and then we just keep praying, and the demons leave. He says, and we'll fast and we'll pray. And we love them. We'll fast and we'll pray. We love them. Then they'll get healed. 
was that simple. And so I'm looking at these people. I was like, how close are you going to be to the throne in heaven? You know, that's, that's kind of like what I'm thinking. It's just like you are, you, you are known in heaven and in hell. But nobody in this world outside of that city that they lived in knows who they are. And they're walking in everything that Jesus has promised them. They have no national or international ministry. But they are just serving right there where they're at. Satisfied and pleased with Jesus. <laughs> and that's what the Lord looks at as greatness. It's that these people love me. And I just I show up because I because they love me. Another word is just to, to not hesitate. It says in verses 15 and 16, when the angels had gone away from them into, into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. Has there ever been a time in your life where, where there was a promise, a confirmation, or a conviction that you, that you heard from the Lord? And what was your immediate response? This is, I, I've had the Lord speak this to me many times personally for myself about quick obedience. Now, I'm not talking about buying a house. I'm not talking about where you're going to college. I'm talking about as you go. Jesus said, as you go, preach. So as, I'm just talking about as you go. Like, There's things. And so uh, last week we were at Taqueria del Sol, which we frequent. And the couple behind us, I'm, I'm paying for, I'm getting ready to pay for our food. And, and right there, the Lord says, buy their food behind you. And so I had... I, I did. I, I just say, hey, I want to get, I don't grab theirs, paid for theirs, got to talk with them. That was it. And, but there's been times where the Lord's like, hey, I want you to pray for this person or whatever. And I was like, um, not really, I don't really want to. You know, that's, I don't say that to the Lord, but that's where my heart's at. I was like, I don't really want to. And then I'm kind of like, oh, all right, Lord, I'll do it. If, bring them by me or something, you know, and, and then I, you know, maybe I see them once and then I'm still not doing it. And then I'm like, all right, Lord, I got it. I'll, I'm going to do, go do it. They're gone. And so I don't say that to bring condemnation on myself or on you. I'm just saying the Lord, the way the Lord views that is just like, Hey, I'm going to be throwing some more pitches. Just be ready next time. You know, it's not like, you'll never represent me again. No, he's, he's not saying that. He's just saying, hey, I just want you to know, I'm gonna, we're going to try this again later. With the Lord, when you, when you fail a test, you just get to keep taking it again. He doesn't actually fail you. He just is like, we'll take it again. We'll take it again. And so... But there's those times where you, if I, if what happens in those moments where I, when I delay is the mind starts working on you. 
Oh, they're talking to somebody else. I'm shopping, you know, all these types of things. And so what quick obedience does is it just doesn't give you your mind a chance to convince you out of it. And this is what, that, this is what the shepherds did. They're like, the angels just appeared. And I bet you if they had waited, they, they could have been like, did we, was those really angels? I mean, we haven't eaten in like three days. Maybe we're hallucinating. And then it's like, did, even with that, even with angels appearing, you could convince yourself out of that. But they were like, hurry, let's go to Bethlehem. And so there's a, there's a value to having quick obedience. And so when we hesitate with God, it can create a breeding ground of doubt, fear, and actually insecurity makes you feel insecure when you don't obey quickly. None of, a, none of those things are for him, doubt, fear, insecurity. None of that's from the Lord. So when you hear a specific word from him, trust his direction. He will equip you to do what he's asked you to do. All you need to do is respond. Verse 19, it says that Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So Mary would have been aware that her precious child would one day experience incredible suffering. If they're saying, she's, she knew the prophecies. She knew Psalm 22. She knew Isaiah 53. And she's like, I'm bearing the Christ child. He's going to die a horrible death. And so when she stood at the foot of the cross as her son was crucified, Mary must have had to rehearse every memory she had of God's faithfulness so she could continue believing in the promise of Jesus' resurrection. Think about that. Think about standing at the foot of the cross of, of your, your child being murdered unjustly. So in her greatest moment of pain, she had a collection of proof that God would do what he had promised. So she had a 33 years or more, if, but just of Jesus' life, 33 years of seeing God be faithful. She's like, God, you know what? I remember when you delivered us from Herod when he was trying to kill all the firstborn. I remember when we lost Jesus in the temple. And it was, we were like two days journey away and we had to go back for two days. And we found him, you know. And so when we experience mountaintop seasons, so this is when, when the angels come and visit Mary and Joseph, those are mountaintop, that's a mountaintop experience. They're getting more than the tinglys. They're getting blasted by the glory of God. I mean, the angels are in the presence of the Lord. And the, the glory of the Lord is coming off of the angels. They're like a mirror. And so during these mountaintop seasons of seeing God's faithfulness, we need to store up the truth of our experience and save it for later. So in the hardest moments of our lives, we need to remember that the victory of Jesus, the, the victory of Jesus, and recall all the ways we've seen his goodness. So if you're in a tough spot, think about how God has shown up for you. Maybe he gave you a, a job when you really needed it. Maybe um, he healed you of a sickness. Whatever it is, like those things, remember in those, I had a, co a cousin says, what God, don't forget in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. And so those, that's the times that we remember what God has done for us. For God so loved the world. So the Magi were summoned along with the shepherds 
and they were known to be astrologers. And as astrologers, it's, it's very possible that these wise men that we include in our, our nativities at Christmas were sorcerers who <laughs> interpreted omens and signs to gain power. And so there's many theories about their ethnicity and background of these men from the East, but there's one thing that we know for sure, they were not Jews. They were Gentiles. And so what, what was the reason these guys were astrologers in the, in the first place? What, the, what was the reason that these guys interpreted omens and signs in the first place? They, were, they knew that there was something greater than like this world. So why do people seek out why, there's, why, there, why is there other forms of spirituality? Why is there palm reading? Why is there tarot card reading? All these types of things. Things that are sorcery and witchcraft and whatnot. It's because people in their heart, whether they can verbalize it or put it into words, they, were, they know that they were born for the supernatural because they're super, we're all supernatural beings. When, that, when our body dies, our spirit's still going on. So we're, we're supernatural beings. And so here's, the, here's these astrologers. They, they're looking for something. They're, they're looking for something greater than themselves. They're looking for a supernatural knowledge and whatnot. And then when they, God reveals it to them, it's like, hey, this is what you're looking for, this baby lying in a manger. They, they're excited about it and they actually stay loyal to Jesus. They don't, Herod wanted them to tell them, he's like, tell me where that child is and they don't tell Herod. They, they protect the Lord and his location. Now it says that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold represents royalty. It means that Jesus is king. Frankincense represents a worship. It means Jesus is God. And myrrh represents death in the sense of embalming and, and uh, anointing bodies with, with, with fragrant oils. So myrrh represents Jesus as Savior. So Jesus is King, God, and Savior. So after coming into the house, they saw the child Mary with his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now gold... Like I said, in, in Psalm 72. Now, Psalm 72, this is a song David wrote for Solomon, but it's a, it's a prophetic psalm about Jesus. So, I want to read this. So if you, get, if you have your Bible, turn there, Psalm 72. When we, as we read this, I want you to think about, does this sound like Jesus? <laughs> and this, is, this is a psalm I actually discovered this week in the sense of, oh, this, is a, this, is, this psalm is all about Jesus. It says, give, to, give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and you're afflicted with justice. Let the mountains bring peace to the people and the hills in righteousness. 
May he vindicate the afflicted of the people, save the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. Let them fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he come down like rain upon the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and abundance of peace till the moon is no more. May he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Let the nomads of the desert bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. Let the kings of Tarshish and of the islands bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. And let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy when he cries for help, the afflicted also in him who has no helper. He will have compassion on the poor and needy, and the lives of the needy he will save. He will rescue their life from oppression and violence, and their blood will be precious in his sight. So may he live, and may the gold of Sheba be given to him, and let them pray for him continually. Let them bless him all day long. May there be abundance of grain in the earth on top of the mountains. Its fruit like what will wave like the cedars of Lebanon. And may those from the city flourish like vegetation of the earth. May his name endure forever. And may his name increase as long as the sun shines. And let men bless themselves by him. And let all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders. And blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. And so it's gold is, this psalm is talking about Jesus is king. First Timothy 6 says, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So they recognize his royalty, his kingship. Frankincense, it represents ministering to the Lord or worship. Jesus' ministry was perfect in obedience and fruit, and Jesus' ministry could have only been done by God. Exodus 30, 30 chapters, uh, verses 34 through 35, talks about the frankincense uh, being a part of the incense that's, that's played and that's uh, released in the temple. Myrrh, in Song of Songs, it says, What is this coming up from the wilderness like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all scented powders of the merchant? The chorus here is talking about the bridegroom. The bridegroom represents Jesus in the Song of Songs. And then in chapter 4, this is the bridegroom or Jesus you can look at it as Jesus speaking. Until the cool of the day when the shadows flee away, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. What do you think the mountain of, her, of myrrh was? It was Golgotha. It's the mountain of death. You can, basically, how you can interpret the mountain of myrrh is the mountain of death. And Golgotha was set up, raised up above the city and the hill of frankincense. And so here is Jesus ministering to his father by being obedient to the point of death. And so myrrh, when they, before Jesus was crucified, he was anointed with myrrh. And it was the sign of like, here's, 
we're, we're embalming you <laughs> even before you die. And Jesus knew what would lay before him. He knew that he was to climb that mountain of myrrh. He knew that he was to go to the cross. And Jesus, he says, if you follow me, you have to take up your cross just like I did. And so just like our Savior, there's times where we go up to the mountain of myrrh. We go up to the hill of frankincense. And it's worship to obey the Lord when we know it's going to cost us something. And sometimes it means when you forgive somebody, the person you're forgiving, it costs them nothing. But it does cost you to forgive some, to ask for forgiveness or to forgive somebody. And so if somebody's done you wrong, say somebody um, slandered you, spoke bad about you, spread rumors about you, and you forgave them and you didn't expose them, what is that costing you? Is it costing you pride? Yes. <laughs> but does pride go with you into heaven? <laughs> so is it actually costing you anything? <laughs> that's that's the, the upside-down kingdom, is he's asking you to get rid of things that you can't take with you. And so we, we lose our pride. We lose the things that aren't of heaven anyways. Is it, maybe it does hurt your reputation in the eyes of men. Does that matter in heaven? No. So what God asks you to lay down and to die is, is the things that are temporary anyways. You can't take them to heaven. You're not taking any pride. You're not taking any worldly reputation with you. Only what the Lord says about you matters. So we have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer we who live, but Christ lives in us. In the life which we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I love the way... Paul writes this. As I see Paul writing this, and he, he's writing this down, and he gets to that part. He says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. It's like this personal note that he writes and gave himself up for me. And Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. And so this Christmas... Some of y'all are going into uh, Bethlehem. Some of you going into Egypt. And I just encourage you to realize that no matter what your family believes about you, no matter what anybody else believes about you, it, none of those things are going into heaven with you. It's only what the Lord says about you. And even if there's forgiveness that needs to happen, that you need to forgive family members, or maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness gets rid of pride too. Just, just try asking your, your children for forgiveness. You're supposed to be the parent that knows everything. 
but it restores relationship. They know what it actually does when you do that with your child is it paints a picture for them on how to humble themselves. Like, I saw dad and I saw mom do this when they were wrong. They didn't defend themselves. And so we paint a picture of what that that's supposed to look like for them. So I just I want you I want us going into Christmas with a thankful heart. A B C doesn't equal X Y Z. Just listen to me. More write a song and um, and just enjoy the Lord this Christmas as you go into your family. Let's let's stand up. So if the worship team will come down. So we're going to worship. We'll have our ministry team off to the, the side over here. If you want, if you would like prayer for anything, if you'd like someone to agree with you in prayer or you need physical healing, we believe God is who he says he is, that he's the healer of our bodies. We'd love to pray for you about that. But we're going to worship to one more song. And if you need to invite Jesus into your heart to, for him to be truly be Lord and Savior, it's really easy. We can help you introduce you to the Lord. But I just encourage you just to be honest with him, to say, God, I, don't, I need you. I don't know how to live this life, but you do. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And just say, I need you, Jesus. And he'll come. He'll come. So let's worship.